Hello, friends. It's me, the president of Chickenlandia. Did you know that I have a new book that is now available for purchase? You heard that right. It's called Let's All Keep Chickens, The Down-to-Earth Guide to Natural Practices for Healthier Birds and a Happier World. It's now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, and more. For more information on how you can grab your copy, just click the link in the show notes. It's so exciting, I can barely handle it. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Chickenlandia's 100% friendly podcast, Bok Talk. This show will help you learn all about how backyard chicken keeping can be fun, entertaining, and stress-free. Here's your host, the president of Chickenlandia! Hello, friends. Welcome to Chickenlandia, and welcome to Bok Talk, your 100% friendly backyard chickens show. I am your host, Dahlia also known as the president of Chickenlandia. I'm a backyard chicken educator that has found peace and joy in the chicken yard, and it is my mission to help you find that too. All right, guys, I have another fun and exciting interview for you today. Always fun and exciting here in Chickenlandia. Uh, This is a chat I had with Jessica Bishop of Scratch and Peck Feeds. Now, I know a lot of you know that I have been an advocate for this feed for, I mean, pretty much since they started, but definitely like publicly for, I it might even be over a decade. I think it's been at least 10 years. I don't know. I'd have to look, but it's been a while. So in this interview, we talk about the origins of the company. We talk, you know, we talk about the company. But you're also going to get a lot of good information just about chicken nutrition in general. And we do talk about like how you could possibly afford a high, high quality feed like scratch and peck feeds because I do think it's the best feed on the market and how we can make that more affordable to people. So I do think you're going to love this interview. I do think you're going to get something from it. So you should give it a listen. Of course, I want to let you know, as always, this podcast was brought to you by the folks at my favorite chicken and small pet select. So definitely check out those links in the show notes for your chicken needs and to support the show. All right, without further ado, here is the interview. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Dahlia. I want to thank you so much for being here. And I want to start out, can you just tell us what your role is at Scratch and Pick? Of course. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me as a guest Um, at Scratch and Peck. I'm the director of marketing and really in that position, I am truly honored to serve an amazing, amazing group of people who are really tasked with connecting with people about chickens and chicken feed and really a lot more than that. And I'm sure we'll get into that later, but I have just a really fun job and I'm just really blessed to be a part of such a great community. Oh, that's a, that is good to hear. I'm glad you love it. You, I mean, you know, I love Scratch and Peck. I've been working with Scratch and Peck for, oh, gosh, I don't even know how long, like 10 years, I think. Yeah. Okay. That's, um, yeah. yeah. So I know Scratch and Peck's origin story and it's kind of a, like a, a bit of a fascinating story, but I know my audience doesn't know the story. So I thought we would start out by just sharing that with the audience. Like how did Scratch and Peck 
hatch. <laughs> yes, I would love to share that. And I feel, Dahlia, like there's a short version of this story that's out in the world that you could like find, but there's a little bit of a longer story. And are you? I would like to share the longer story because I feel like it will really resonate um, with your listeners. Sure. Um, but our our founder and owner, uh, Diana Mead, who you know, um, she grew up with a super, you know, strong connection to nature and just believed deeply in the healing power of our environment and about building community and connecting with animals. And that was kind of fostered by her father. Her dad, um, Diana's one of six. She's the youngest. And so her dad would take her and her siblings and they would go on these, you know, epic Pacific Northwest adventures in nature when that's where she truly, you know, built an appreciation for the world around her. Um, there were always animals in the house. She like tells me stories of, you know, lots of fostered animals bringing home strays. Um, and so she really just grew up, you know, respecting and caring for living creatures. And it's, it's that really set the foundation, um, for her just feeling of belonging. I mean, nature, the environment and animals, that's where she feels like her truest self. It's almost her religion, right? It's where she feels the most connected. Yeah. And so she started off with this foundation and then, and then in her teens, you know, she became like a vegetarian just for animal welfare reasons. And then she, she got married, uh, had some kids and, you know, like many of us do, we, you know, start to dabble in gardening and raising chickens and, and then life sometimes gets busy, you know, with work and jobs in the everyday. And, and that happened to her. She, you know, went back to work in uh, mortgage banking and thought she could really balance kind of her work values, you know, in one hand, and then her personal values in the other hand. And it just, she was having a hard time figuring that out and it just felt like there was a disconnect. And I, I know myself have felt, have felt that, you know, in previous jobs. And I know many people can relate to that feeling. And a lot of people, um, especially recently, you know, like during COVID, after COVID people kind of questioning what's important to them and how they can align what they're doing every day with their personal values. And, and she just realized, okay, I, I can't, have these two separate things that feel conflicting. So she was at this crossroads and it was then she read the book, um, Animal Vegetable Miracle by Barbara Kingsolver. Have you ever read that? I haven't. Oh my gosh. I have a copy. I should send it to you in the mail. Okay. It is so good. And it's, um, Barbara Kingsolver is an author and it's, um, this is a nonfiction book. She her and her husband and family, they decide to uproot their lives in Arizona and they move. It's either Virginia or Vermont. I don't remember. But they decide to eat cyclically with the season for one year and and eat only things like in their environment. And so that story really resonated with Diana and just kind of clicked um, into place just ideas about, you know, what nature has to offer and how it can truly serve us if we work with its natural kind of cycles. Anyway, so that like kind of reignited her like personal values and and love of nature. And and like I said, she had chickens and she was looking at her chicken feed and was like, hold on, wait a second. 
I don't know what like wheat middlings are or (laughs) wheat byproducts. Like what are these ingredients? And so she like partnered with a nutritionist and that's when she started understanding um, animal nutrition and started sourcing local grains. And that's where like you hear about her like wrenching a cement mixer and, you know, milling her own grains. Like that's the story kind of that we tell is that's how she started. But I love the precursor story to that because I know that I can resonate with that, like kind of, you know, floating around and not really knowing how to, you know, do the work that aligns with what I believe in. And um, so I just think that's really a powerful message that that will resonate with a lot of people. So why I wanted to share. But from there, she, you know, rented that cement mixer and and her and her son and husband, you know, started mixing feed and were really selling it from their garage, like almost door to door. Um, and that's really how it how it kicked off. Um, they ended up, you know, renting a small mill here in Western Washington and then quickly outgrew it. And we yeah. um, moved to a larger mill just, you know, a few miles south of um, the original location. And and from there, it's just taken over. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, the funny thing is, is that I remember when, well, I mean, I remember when they were in Bellingham in the small, uh-huh. at the small mill. Yeah. And I remember I, at the time I was owner, part owner of a farm store in Linden. And we were one of the only stores that carried scratch and pick. Okay. Yes. And there was just not, it was so different from all the other feed, you know, mm-hmm. now, you know, now you have, I know now that you, you guys have crumble and pellet, but, and I've, I've tried, I've tried them and they're both great quality. But like when you first came out, it was the the raw mash feed. And there was not a lot like that on the market. Yeah. That was kind of this sensation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I've seen it grow from there. But I just wanted to ask you, like, what what changes have you seen in in chicken feed over the years? Like since 2010, can you talk about like how feed has changed, what differentiates you know, you know, talk about what differentiated scratch and pick from the beginning and how that looks now. Yeah. Gosh, gosh. You know what? Since the beginning and now, that's what I think is our biggest differentiator is we have been, you know, from our inception, really committed to making the most wholesome and nutritious animal feed that also has the highest uh, environmental and animal welfare standards. That's been the driving force of Scratch and Peck since the very beginning. And it continues to be the driving force of our organization now. So I, I think that is a huge differentiator. You know, many brands just now are realizing that, you know, consumers want to, you know, align their purchasing dollars with their values. And so we see brands kind of relaunching their vision and their purpose and, you know, kind of an overhaul to their messaging. And what I love about Scratch and Peck is that's in our DNA, that those are our roots. And so that's a pretty cool thing to be a trendsetter that that saw that this was coming, saw that this was important and will remain, you know, to be important to people. Um, So I think really in addition to our purpose, which has been, you know, the same since day one, 
there, you know, are a few buckets um, in how I see, you know, scratch and peck really standing out in the marketplace as a, you know, really um, great brand for consumers. And one is this idea around nourish to flourish and how we can make, you know, better food for healthier lives for our animals and for ourselves. And there's a few ways that we do that. Um, one, all of our formulas are free of soy. Not that soy is the bad guy, but we, you know, choose not not to use it in our formulas. Um, we also have nothing, you know, unnatural um, in our feeds. No fillers just to take up space. Um, no cheap proteins. We don't medicate any of our feeds. There's there's no non-essential ingredients. So it is, you know, grains and vitamins and minerals, you know, to, to make a complete diet. And, and you can see that when you look at our feeds or you read our feed tags. So I think that is a huge differentiator in being very transparent about what's in our product. That's a big one. You know, we also offer very targeted stage nutrition. So as you know, we have like starter feeds and then we have grower feeds and we have layer feeds. And that's because, you know, each developmental stage requires really specific nutrition. And and oftentimes companies will kind of buddy up and have like a starter grower feed or a grower layer feed. And and I understand why, you know, it's cheaper to do. They kind of take an average of what each stage needs and call it good. But we, we really believe in in feeding targeted nutrition specific for that animal in that stage of life. So I think that's... um a really cool differentiator. And then, you know, our mash feeds are so clean and beautiful, as you know, and you've been using for years. Um, They smell good. They smell good. They're (laughs) just, their ability to ferment, I think is another way that really, you know, separates us from the rest and, and how they, how in doing so, you know, they kind of provide a whole, whole nother level of nutrition and we can talk about ferment later. So, this, you know, this idea of nourish to flourish around ingredients and what is in our feeds and how our feeds can be used. And then we also, there are a few things that we do that go, you know, beyond organic. Um, you know, yeah, what's one thing to have an organic certification? And and we do, and we have had it for many, many years. But there are some other things that are really important, like all of our grains uh, are all sourced from North American farmers. So, you know, Canada, US, Mexico, it's really important to us to keep grain dollars as localized as possible. That's yeah. been you know important to Diana since the day one and it's something that we like work on every single day and um so really proud to have a North American made product. It's, you know, grown, made, produced um right here. So that's a really cool differentiator for us. You know, we're also non-GMO um, product certified, which is also really cool. Um, yes. It just means that we don't use any, you know, genetically modified seeds um, for the crops that we purchase. And that too is another podcast to talk about, but for to people that that's important to, um, that's something that our, our feed has to offer. So that's cool. And then when I think about, you know, also going beyond organic, we also use some pretty cool sustainable like proteins, you know, such as grubs, um, which I know you have fed your birds. That's just an amazing, you know, treat or nutritional supplement for birds, not just because of their 
nutritional profile, but because of what they do um, to support really the environment, they, you know, basically can feed on food waste, if you will. And so it's a way to upcycle, you know, food that would otherwise really go into the landfill. So I haven't calculated it for 20, what year? We're in 2024. So I haven't calculated it. I wrote 1994. (laughs) So I haven't calculated it for 2023. (laughs) Um, So I need to, but in 2022, um, our grubs alone upcycled, which means they diverted over 4 million pounds of food waste from a landfill. And that's the food that they, they eat. And then they turn into just this amazing protein that we then feed to our chicken. So it's just this natural nutrient recycling. Um, we're like big fans of insect protein and like yeah. continue, continue to be. And so I think that's, um, a really big differentiator and really I could keep going on and on, but the other one that I really want to touch on, hmm, any, mini, miny, mo, which one do I choose? <laughs> um, there's so many, you guys. I really want to give a shout out to our community. Um, you know, our business does great things. Like we're a certified B Corporation. Like we we do so much good to support like social and environmental standards. And also we have an outstanding communi- community. So we really have been trying to create like a safe space where people feel like they can walk into chicken keeping and not feel like they're doing it wrong. Like there's no right way. There's no wrong way. There's so many ways you can raise chickens and raise chickens and animals well. And we just really want people to um, feel comfortable with that and just to start small and have this kind of idea of starting small and using where you using what you have and, and how can we kind of reduce that barrier to entry? Cause I don't know about you, but when I was like, Oh, raising chickens, that would be a fun activity for me and the kids. I, you know, you get on YouTube, you get on Pinterest and you're like, Oh my gosh, I cannot build the Taj Mahal for my chickens. Like (laughs) mine won't look like that. And so it's so easy to feel like you're not maybe measuring up or doing it right. But I mean, chickens require like love and care. They require, you know, good food and water and safety, like somewhere to live where they're safe. And really that's it. Like it's so basic. And so that's what we've been really trying to do on, on our social channels. And we have some really like fun plans, you know, coming up on how we can just continue to help facilitate and just really create a very almost no nonsense like simple, um, place for people to get information. Um, because you know, anybody can really raise chickens. It's so, yeah, it's very simple. So, and it's <laughs> and so rewarding done it for thousands of years. Yes. I mean, you have a book on it. So, <laughs> yeah, and my book is basically like, you can do this. Like yes. we've done this for a long time. This is easy. It's, you know, it's in our histories. It's in our, It's, uh, it's in our ancestry. Like we can do this. And I, what I, what really bums me out is when I see people getting really divisive about it and kind of putting up roadblocks for, for others and making it really over, you know, seems like something really overwhelming when it's like, look, there's chickens all over the world. 
you know, the poorest countries in the world, when you, where you can, where you find the poorest people in the world, you will also find their chickens. Mm-hmm. And so we have to kind of keep that as our foundation. And I just, that kind of like leads me into the next thing I'm going to ask you about. Cause I, I want to be really honest and, you know, I, I talk about scratch and peck a lot on my channel. I love scratch and peck. I feed my chickens scratch and peck. And most of the feedback I get is like, you know, this is such good quality feed and everything. And, and, and the, those that try it really love it. The one thing that I do hear sometimes is that, you know, people will say, well, this definitely, it looks like a great quality feed, but I just can't afford it. Yeah. And so, especially after the last few years, because things have really skyrocketed, you know, and it's like, you guys are making feed, you have to raise your prices if all the ingredients are higher. And Mm -hmm. so I just wanted to ask you, like, do you have any tips for people? And it can even be like beyond purchasing your feed, but general tips for people to just get like good quality nutrition into their chickens, regardless of where they are, you know, on, you know, what their income level is like. Yeah. Yeah. My, I think, well, first of all, I completely understand I'm lucky I work for a feed company. And so a great perk is I get feed. Yes. <laughs> but if I had to purchase feed, I would I would also question like, oh, which feed should I buy? Because yeah. can I afford this? Like so I I totally understand and I it's frustrating. Um, you know, that our products, they they are priced at a premium. And oh honestly, you know that is because of the the quality of the grains that we're using and we're not using, you know, subsidized crops, you know, yeah. like yeah. soy and stuff. And so that it, it really puts a big, oh, what is the word? It really creates a big gap. Um, when you look at, you know, a, a feed other than ours, any feed other than ours really. And our feed, it's like, well, why is it so expensive? And And there's so many reasons why, but Nonetheless, if somebody is looking to do this as, you know, inexpensively as possible and also provide kind of the best nutrition for their chickens, my number one recommendation is to buy the highest quality mash feed you can buy. And a mash feed, our definition of a mash feed is just a whole grain feed. It's a whole grain feed. You can see the grains, you can see the ingredients. So whatever mash feed you can purchase, buy that and then ferment it. And the reason why, and I know you've talked about fermenting and you should link to your fermenting video in the show notes. (laughs) Um, But uh, fermenting can stretch your feed dollar even that much more. I know with our feeds, when I have fermented, it cuts uh, my feed bill in about a third, but that really is so, it, it depends so much on, you know, other things that you're feeding your chickens, like what is available to them throughout the day to forage. So there's, there's a lot of factors. So I feel like it's hard to give like an exact savings as far as what fermenting can do. But in general, that is the best way, not only to cut your feed bill, but also to really push um, the nutrition of your feed to its absolute best. 
Yes, I I agree. And do you do you guys still sell the sprouting grains? Yes. Um, yeah. So another great way that you can stretch your feed dollar is by sprouting grains. So I always recommend like, um, you know, if there's barley or peas in your feed, like try getting those grains just as a whole grain, you know, by themselves and sprouting grains is another just great way to boost nutrition. Actually sprouted grains when they're like between an and and for those people that don't know, like sprouting grains is when you're you're, you're sprouting them, like you see the green stem come out. I'm sure there's a word for that, but <laughs> um, that's what I uh, <laughs> when they're when that stem, you're basically soaking grains and then rinsing them, and they begin to sprout. And when they start to sprout, that's like the highest nutritional peak for that grain or legume, whatever it is you're sprouting. Um, ever. Um, so that's when it's like has its highest nutritional content for the animal. So the, that is another another way that would definitely, it would, you still need to feed your animals a complete feed, but that is a way to, I feel like supplement in a really healthy way. So yeah, sprouting is definitely a big one. Yeah. And I really appreciate you, you know, addressing that because I feel sometimes I feel like, oh, you know, is this kind of like the elephant in the room? But my goal is always to tell people the truth. And so Mm -hmm. the truth is, is that I feel you guys have the best quality feed on the market. Like, that's what I will say. Yeah. I also understand that some people can't afford it. So I want to give them options. And I feel like even though you guys are selling the feed, we kind of share that, that value. Oh, yeah. Like I said, like there is like no shame in the chicken game. <laughs> like <Yeah>. there is like <laughs> what works for you is what you should do. And but those are just almost actions you can take on on any product. You know, you can you could ferment, you know, any mash feed. I haven't fermented other brands, so I don't know, but I my assumption is it would work similarly. Um I fermented so everything. I what's that? <laughs> I have fermented every chicken. I have fermented pellets. I have fermented. Okay. <laughs> yes. But I will say that uh, start small, start very small because there are feeds that have ingredients that don't ferment very well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they may turn alcoholic. It, it just doesn't work. So yeah. be mindful of that. And that's why you should start small. And then you can find, you know, without wasting a bunch of feed, you can find what works. Yeah. So that is one, one piece of advice I do give people. Yeah, no, that's a great piece of advice. And, you know, we haven't even, re- you know, we were talking about ferment f- fermentation and we haven't really like talked about what it is. Um, so let's just say really quick for the audience, for someone might be like, what are you talking about? So just tell them really quick what, what it means to ferment something, what it means to ferment your chicken feed. Yes. So fermentation is, well, we call it lacto-fermentation and it occurs when there's beneficial bacteria that are naturally found in our environment like in the soil or on vegetables or in our case chicken feed so natural bacteria that are already there when that interacts with water in a clean controlled environment it produces lactic acid bacteria that encourages you know this um formation of 
as great, great natural probiotics um, mm-hmm. that are very beneficial to your chickens in a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you don't have yeah. to add anything. You don't, a lot of people ask me, well, do I put apple cider vinegar in it? Should I put like my kombucha starter in it? You don't have to do any of that. It's so simple. All you need is water and feed. And, and, you know, like Jessica mentioned, I do have a video about it. So I will leave that in the show notes so you guys can watch and, and, and see how to do it. Yeah. And it, it essentially, I mean, it, it unlocks all these nutrients for your chickens um, that they would maybe not have access to in as easily when the feed is in its dry state. And because that lactofermentation kind of unlocks all this nutrition, they need less to get what they need. And that's where the money savings come in. So I might have to, okay, don't use these numbers as exact, but maybe I have to feed a cup of dry feed uh, to my chickens, you know, for to my four chickens for them to like feel satisfied um, today. But if I were to, you know, ferment the feed, you know, maybe I'm using two thirds of a cup instead. I'm using less feed just because they're able, the nutrition has been kind of unlocked and their bodies can really digest and utilize it quicker and faster. And so they don't they don't need as much as they did before. Yes. So, so it's it, really cool. It, it's really easy. Yeah. So it, it, it increases in volume. It becomes more nutritious yes. dense and they will likely need less of it. They will likely need less of it. And again, this is like, there's no right or wrong. I go through phases. Like I right now feed pellets because my life is like insane <laughs> yes. busy, but there have, there are cycles and seasons you know, where I get to slow down a little bit more and I'm like, oh, hey, girls, that I see you're molting and you might need a little extra boost. And so that might be I might ferment, you know, just a few times throughout the year. So it's it's you don't have to um, to have healthy chickens, but it is a way, like we said, we're talking about kind of cutting feed costs. So it's definitely a way to support that. Um, But it's not something that you have to do always. It can just be a supplement to your your normal feed. You could feed the cheapest feed that you could find. And then maybe you invest in a bag of really high quality mash and you just use that to ferment, you know, a few times over however many months that lasts you. Like there's so many different combinations and and ways to feed that will positively support your animals. Or scratch grain. You can ferment scratch grain. Yep. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So there's, there's just any number of things that you can do and any way you can get that into your chickens would be very good for them. It's a win-win. There's no, there's no drawbacks to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I have, I have so much scratch and peck merch because you, you know, over the years I've collected all of your hats and (laughs) t-shirts and everything. And I've loved, I've always loved the logo. I noticed recently that um you guys have changed your logo we have yes we just went through a rebrand this last year and it's so exciting i'm so glad to hear that you love our new look um our branding has really been i would say you know iconic in the market since its beginning very recognizable uh and 
very recognizable on the West Coast. I mean, this is our birthplace and the biggest, you know, concentration of our customers are. Um, but we're expanding uh, to the Midwest and East Coast. And um, we're actually opening up a second mill in Nebraska. It's going to start producing same feeds, just different location. We just noticed... Oh, we have like new customers who have never heard of us or seen us. And how do we make sure we're connecting with them? Right. Yeah. And so we went on this journey <laughs> um, to make sure that we were, you know, communicating what our our company, st- you know, stands for, making sure that people understood what products were in the packaging visually stand apart um, from the rest if you're online or in a store. And so it has been a lot of fun. And uh, our new logo, our new Mm -hmm. chicken, (laughs) her Uh name is Mona. And uh, she's wonderful. She's really inspired again by our birthplace here in Western Washington. If if you look at, um, not the one that's necessarily on the packaging, but on the website, it's on the website for sure. On the homepage, if you scroll all the way down, you can see her in her full glory. Uh, she, in, within her body, is this um, like iconic, idyllic kind of Western Washington imagery. It's Mount Baker, which is the the mountain here in the North Cascades that we're our, our is right in the foothills of. So Mount Baker is in the background and there's these like flowing, you know, fields of of grains up front. It kind of looks block printy, which I love because it kind of uh, looks old, but also fresh and modern with its colors. Um, but what I love most is Mona. She's kind of looking over her wing, like towards the back to the right. And that is really to represent, like looking forward to our future, looking eastward to the future, uh, kind of the next chapter of Scratch and Peck. And she has this little like sparkle in her eye. And yes, I am obsessed <laughs> with the new branding, <laughs> which I should be. Um, but it's been very exciting. Customers, you can like see it on our website. We're we're transitioning our packaging right now. We're making sure we can use, you know, what we have. We didn't want to waste anything. So we're yeah. using up old packaging and we're transitioning to new. And another cool thing, Dahlia, with our new packaging, all of our um, like smaller products that were in plastic pouches before are now in recyclable pouches. Oh, so right. that was a really um, fun thing to work on. And um, I think our customers will really love. So anyways, yes, new look, but we are the same brand. Nothing's changed. Same feeds, same, 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 but fresh. Yay. 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 Awesome. That's awesome. And I, I do see a twinkle in your eye when you're talking about scratch and peck. So, uh, and I have that same (laughs) twinkle in my eye and I look forward to what you guys are going to do. And I, you know, I'm so happy to be on this journey with you guys. It's just, I'm really appreciative of our relationship and I believe in your company. So it's been great to have you on Jessica. Tell me, uh, well, tell my audience where they can learn more about scratch and peck feeds. Yes, you can find us on our website at scratchandpeck.com or on any socials um, at Scratch and Peck Feeds. Yay. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you, Dahlia. Thank you so much for having me. And we love, we love having you under our wing. So thank you so much. You're welcome. 
Thank you, my friends, so much for joining me today. Thank you to my co-producer, Kelsey Paulus, also known as the Chickenlandia Presidential Advisor. Thank you to Talking to Crows for editing this episode and to Double M Ranch for their wonderful podcast art. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember to rate and review it on whatever app you're listening to it on. Definitely do that. But the main thing I want you to remember is that you are always welcome in Chickenlandia. Bye. Dahlia Monterosso, also known as the president of Chickenlandia, is a backyard chicken educator in Northwest Washington. To submit your question to Bok Talk, visit welcometochickenlandia.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.